is On Location. I'm Joe Mamlin. We are on location at the Ohio Child Sport Directors Association in Columbus, Ohio, where I had the opportunity to sit down with leaders from three Ohio counties with innovative grant programs related to procedural justice and behavioral intervention. They had a lot of interesting things to discuss, so we're dividing this into three episodes that you don't want to miss. But first, On Location is a production of the INSEA Communications Committee and is produced by Kenitha Julian, Lori Rummage-Kane, Gilbert Burgos, and me. With help from our executive producers, Maureen Life and Tim Leitner. This podcast is available on iTunes or on the Podomatic app, so subscribe today and check out our previous episodes. For part one of the Ohio Child Sport Directors Association Conference, I had the chance to sit down with Rob Pearson from Stark County, Ohio. Rob is the Deputy Director of Child Support for Stark County Job and Family Services and also serves as Chairperson of the Stark County Fatherhood Coalition. He leads a caseload size of 32,000 cases in a county with a population of over 376,000 residents and he has 79 staff. Rob has two active grant programs that we're going to talk about, and he has been a leader in innovative child support practices in Ohio for many years. I'm excited to talk to Rob today, so stick around. I'll be right back. Rob Pearson, welcome to the podcast. Thank you, Joe. Pleasure to have you here with us. We want to talk today about the grant programs that you have going on in Stark County. I know you've done several over the years, yes. but currently, um, I understand you have a PJAC grant and, yes. and a CSPED. And for right. those that don't know what those are, maybe you can tell us okay. uh, what those what that means. The CSPED grant is the Child Support Employment Parental Demonstration Project. And we actually are in our sixth year. It's a no-cost extension, so mm-hmm. it will end, uh, sadly, in uh, September of this year. Oh wow! And we're we're looking for some uh, feasible funding because we can get a waiver if we could get the local share. But it's it's an employment program for uh, non-custodial parents who are unemployed or underemployed, and we've had great success with our CSPED program, we call it in uh, Stark County in Ohio, Right Path for Fathers Partnership. Mm-hmm. But it really has been a, a significant effort in, in the child support field, not just in our county, but the other seven sites. I think when the independent report comes out from the evaluator, uh, I think we're gonna see some really uh, remarkable statistics and, and some, some great uh, achievements. And you've been doing this one for six years? You yes. So how many people approximately do you think have gone through this program thanks to the grant? We have had close to 800 who have gone through. We have wow. the control group, too, but we have those who have actually been in the project. We've had over 800 who have been participating in the program. About 65 to 67% have become employed. But that also includes those who have dropped out of the program. If we look at just those who finished the four weeks of employment classes, parenting classes, and participated in job search, 
then the employment rate goes to 79 to 80%. Wow, that's really great. And then around 70% remain employed. Wow. So and so just to back up a little bit, the grant you said is a it, it provides employment classes and what else? And also parenting classes. parenting classes. It was looking at both helping overcome barriers to employment, also reinforcing the importance of being part of, of the child's life as a parent and emphasizing both financially supporting your child, but also equally as important as emotionally supporting your child. And one of the best quotes from a, a recipient uh, participant that we had was that was when he said, you know, the job search, the, the employment classes, they gave me the ability to find a job, but the parenting classes gave me the desire to find a job. Oh, and that, that was, I, that was, I couldn't have thought of a better quote. This right. was from you an actual that participant. Material. Yeah, that's, um, one of the things I wanted to ask you about, too, is the particular community you serve, Stark County, yes. I know is, um, you know, for those who don't know, that's in you know, Northeast Ohio. Yes. And like a lot of places, has had its challenges with industry, um, you know, not necessarily. Definitely being, the Rust Belt. Yeah, right. And so what's what's been the particular challenge with especially the employment piece of this grant? How have you overcome that? And has it been, have you found, you know, good jobs for people up there? We have found decent jobs. They're still, I have to be honest, mainly entry-level jobs, but if they can stay employed and build a history of employment, that's mm -hmm. going to give them the opportunity to compete and apply for better paying jobs. And that's what we explain to the participants and really try to get a mindset with them that to to really get the job that maybe is your, your dream job or at least a, a goal of having good employment, good wages that you can support yourself and and really fulfill some of your own dreams and, and aspirations, you need to sometimes go entry level, build that basis of a, of a track record of being employed and, and, and doing a good job and then can compete with uh, other candidates for jobs that are better paying and, and have uh, better opportunities. Yeah, that's great. And I know also there's surrounding communities and I'm sure people have to stay you know, right there in the county. Correct. There's a lot of opportunity in that part of the state. Right. Uh, don't want to talk bad about Northeast Ohio. No, no, not at all. And again, but we're, it's and a challenging we're, area. That's just, it's just a tough place. And, and one of the things, we're Canton, Ohio, of course, and we're the uh, home of the Pro Football Hall of Fame, and there's a lot of expansion going on with the Pro Football Hall of Fame that's going to mean some construction jobs as well as permanent jobs after different aspects of the Hall of Fame expansion, mm -hmm. which is going to uh, be best a tourist destination mm -hmm. With, with hotels, uh, you know, yeah. water in, indoor water park, and also they're going to have a, a nursing uh, facility, nursing home for NFL players. Oh, wow. Things, I mean, there's a lot going on that that the employment it's only is, going to yeah. is going to improve, the economy is going to improve, in, in part thanks to the Pro Football Hall of Fame. Oh, well, that's a good partnership to have. Um, and I also want to just shift gears a little bit to the PJAC grant. That's yes. the other one you have going on. And good for you for having two grants going on at the same time. That's a lot to take care of. Uh, so can, can you tell us what the sure. what PJAC stands for and what that's, what that's all sure. about? Sure. And PJAC is Procedural Justice Informed Alternatives to Contempt. And we're in our second year of the PJAC grant. And, of course, the first year was really the startup year. And so we're in the first year of services. And it is an alternative to taking somebody into court and threatening jail time in order to have them comply and, and make payments. It's, it's a more softer approach using the principles of procedural justice, including that they 
they're treated with respect, that they feel that there's neutrality, that they have a voice in the process, and that they, there is a feeling of, of helpfulness coming from the agency, and that they, are, again, are being treated with, with uh, respect and have participation in the process. And there's research that shows that even if the individual doesn't like the end result, if they feel they're being treated fairly and have a voice, that they're going to be more likely to, to accept the results and, and be more compliant. The other aspect of PJAC is, again, though, looking at trying to overcome barriers, mm -hmm. not just looking at the fact that someone's not making payments, but looking at why they're not making payments. And PJAC's a little different from uh, CSPED in that, yes, we do have um, some individuals who are going to be unemployed that come into PJAC. But also, it's going to include individuals who are employed, but we don't have the ability to attach their wages. They're in 1099, are uh, self-employed individuals, are mm -hmm. working under the table in the underground economy, but they do have the ability to pay. And in PJAC, we're trying to, to get them to come into the agency and see why, what are the barriers, what's preventing them from making payments. And it also includes the custodial parent, bringing the custodial parent into the process. And if both parents are willing, we bring both parents into a uh, case conference mm -hmm. and talk about the case and what can be done to try to, to ensure that payments are being made. Sometimes the non-custodial parent may feel that the order is too high and is one of the reasons that they're not making payments or only paying you know, occasionally. Mm -hmm. And so there's always the possibility of doing a review and adjustment of the order. The, other aspect is that there could be the non-custodial parent not having access to the children, and we can be involved then in, in uh, parenting time, trying to help the non-custodial parent, uh, as long as there's no domestic violence, right. to be able to get a parenting time order either voluntarily between the two parties or even uh, through uh, going back into court. Okay, so the PJAC grant is um, obviously limited to certain participants. How do you choose who's in the control group and who's in the... The we we don't get to choose. It's pure random selection. The we have a an ML, a tool developed by the federal office and the evaluator that will make the selection. But 65% of the participants who will go into PJAC, and 35% will be in the control group. Mm -hmm. PJAC you will not apply for. These are cases that are at the point where we're ready to take that case into court. But instead of taking the case into court has the potential to go through So the cases PJAC. meet a certain criteria just in terms of where they are yes. or what's happening in the case. And within that universe of cases that meet that criteria, a certain percent get applied Correct. to this. Correct. Okay. So basically, any of our cases that are at the point where we're ready to go into court, they they are entered into PJAC and put in 65% will actually get into the program and 35% will go into the control group. Okay. And what, what does procedural justice mean to you or to your staff? Like, does, is this something that they've really been able to latch on to, and do they, are they taking heart, to, taking this to heart? I believe that they are. It's something that we actually began to implement before this grant opportunity was even announced. You'll remember in 2016 that mm -hmm. the NCA policy form, there was a, a plenary session on procedural justice. It had some great presenters, uh, and Vicki Chereski was the commissioner at the time, and certainly was was something that was on her radar and talked a lot about. Mm -hmm. And it was on the forefront in, in the child support world. 
And after coming home from that conference, I thought, this is something that matches the effort we've tried to do in CSPED, in our Right Path program, where we're trying to treat non-custodial parents in a different way, not just shaking, using the hammer, but trying to use the handshake and trying to work with them. And procedural justice really did make sense that this is a way we can try to work with non-custodial parents and, 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 and achieve compliance. Granted, there's always going to be some who we have to use the hard enforcement tools, but there's a lot of non-custodial parents, I felt, that we could get better results when we try to do something using procedural justice principles. Mm -hmm. Again, treating them with respect, having them feel we're neutral, not you know, unbiased, and giving them a voice and a participation in the process. And so we actually, before the grant announcement ever came out, we made a decision to create a new step in cases that were going to go to court. instead of. Instead of taking them into court for contempt and the threat of jail time, we were taking them into court for what's called what was called a motion to compel seek work, mm -hmm. and it was an opportunity and a less threatening and, and and even though it was still in court, a little more conversation of okay, you're here in, today because we want to find out why aren't you making payments and you know, and the court is going to. At worst case scenario, issue an order compelling you to right. seek work or comply with the seek work order. And then there'd be another chance uh, or another opportunity if the agency felt later down the road contempt was needed. So we started down that road, and that was in, uh, in April of 2016. And then I, within a month, the funding announcement, the FOA came out, the funding opportunity okay. announcement for the PJAC grant. So I thought, well, this really fits nicely into what we're trying to do already, but but obviously expands it, and with you know the funding that could allow some a lot more creative things to be done. Well, and that's what I was going to ask you. It sounds like this is just kind of an evolution of how your your particular office is trying to do business anyway. Yes. And I and we talked before the podcast that right. you know I was actually involved with one of your earlier grant programs, our first federal for, grant, yeah, yes, with a Right Start for for fathers. And right. and so this being a natural progression, natural evolution. What made you decide to apply for the grant? I mean, obviously there's funding, but then there's also a little bit of limitation too. Do you feel like this is um, like, just tell me why you decided that applying for this grant was the right thing, and what does the funding give you that you didn't already have? Well, the funding gave me the ability to continue to use the grant partners that I had been using in the CSPED program for employment services, mm -hmm. for parenting programs, and it, it added to that the ability to have treatment for substance abuse. CSPED didn't allow any dollars for substance abuse treatment. PJAC does. Okay. And, and Ohio has an opioid epidemic, as many areas of the country does. Yeah. And you know, Stark County is not the worst in Ohio, but Ohio overall has a pretty serious problem. And, and it would be blind for me to say there's not a problem in Stark. Right. There is. There's a lot of our individuals who can't pass drug tests. They might finish our employment class in Right Path but then they're not able to pass a drug test. So that was one of the things too, knowing that I, we would have the ability for, uh, for substance abuse treatment. And again, it, I, it gave us more funding to really expand on the principles of procedural justice that we decided to move the agency in that direction anyway. So in a way, it's validating, it's validating what, you, what your mission already was. Yes. Do you feel like it's enabling you to reach more people? It is. 
I really What's believe your, that. What is your caseload? How big of a county is We've got about 32,000 child support cases, mm -hmm. and uh, our county's population is about 475,000 people. Okay. And that's pretty, it's static. It's not really growing or decreasing. It's, but our caseload is pretty stable, too, around 32,000 cases. And you have how many staff? Uh, our staff right now is around 80 staff. Okay. And that's a deep, like most counties in most programs, when we lost the ability to use incentive dollars as local match, that decreased our, our funding by about 25 to 28 percent, and we had a decrease of, of about 20 percent in our staffing. So this is really giving you an opportunity to gain some of that ground back? It does. Maybe? It does. Okay. And, and, to, and to do casework in a different approach. So you talked a little bit about how you got really great responses on the CSPED program yes. from participants, and you had a great quote from a from a person who really felt like their world their worldview was changed. Yes. Have you had anything similar through the PJAC? Have you had what's been the the response from the the men and sometimes the, women? Going the big the surprise program? in in PJAC, and we started the uh, services in uh, in November, so we're just six months really, seven months into PJAC. The big surprise has been how many custodial parents have been willing to come to the county conferences, mm. which really was surprising in, in, in a positive way. And they feel like it's not just that the non-custodial parent is feeling like they're noticed and that we're trying to, to help them and, and work on this case in a, in a way other than just threatening to take them to court and jail, but the custodial parent is saying, hey, you're listening to me. You're asking for my input. I'm getting to have a participation in this case, too. And you know, it's, I would say over half of the custodial parents are coming in for that case conference, and that was really a surprise to wow, me. Wow, that is surprising. And, and sometimes the case conference may not go all that well, but many times it does, and that they're coming to agreement at the table, and, and, and not the, the non-custodial parent is recognizing, yes, I have a responsibility, but here are my struggles, and the custodial parent is saying, okay, I recognize those struggles. If I can just get consistent, dependable payments every month, I'm willing to have the order modified. Mm -hmm. Or I'm willing to, to waive some arrearages owed to me if I know that I'm going to get these payments consistently and dependable. That's really great. So it's creating a, a whole other vehicle for communication that yes. didn't exist. And I also was wondering, when you, if you were to look back over this, if you had a chance to do this over again, would you change anything in the way you organized your your approach to the grant, or would you do for the PJAC grant? Yeah, for the PJAC grant, we can. Well, I can ask for both, but we'll start with PJAC. With PJAC, I I didn't realize how big of a role the custodial parent was going to play, mm -hmm. so I probably would have, in my application itself, had put more emphasis on involving the custodial parent. We're doing that, in fact, and that's in part per the direction of the federal office, mm -hmm. and they really, I think, have have given us a direction that is having some positive results too of having I was seeing it more as PJAC as procedural justice for the non-custodial parent and it's still probably the majority of that but I didn't realize that it's also procedural justice for the custodial parent and so I probably would have thought a little more about that in the grant application though 
I still was fortunate enough to yeah. get the grant. So yeah, and you and I assume that it's flexible enough that you were able to make adjustments yes. to allow for that. Yes. And then, so the same question for CSPED: If you had to do over again, is there anything you would organize differently or approach differently with the CSPED grant? And if if you've done it perfectly, just I, I, I mean, I, we certainly <laughs> didn't do it perfectly. I'm just, I, but I know that the one thing that I was always disappointed in was that we couldn't have any funding for substance abuse. Mm -hmm. So I'm, and, and so I'm really happy that we do have that ability in PJAC. But in, in anything that I myself would have done differently, um, we have such great partners. I mean, I'm sure there's some few, th some right. things we could have done differently and, and always well, room and for probably over six years, things have changed anyway. They have. And you've made adjustments for most of those. We have. Early on, kind of adjusted. I think I think the first, I, as I think about it, we at first we were targeting those unemployed six months or longer, mm -hmm. and we did quickly lessen that time frame. I think we, it was we really needed to look at those who were more recently unemployed also, okay. in, in which we did finally in CSPED. Okay. Well, I think as I said earlier, I think that this really, you know, for your from what I know of your office, this really shows a. Um, a standard culture that you're trying to establish there, and I think it's one that's that's become above. You know, the grants exist for the reason that right. people are more interested in you know a better way of doing business. But I'm curious how it's affected you in your leadership, like within your agency. Have you had to sell this, like I'm saying, above the ladder from where you sit? Do people understand what you're trying to do? Or are you getting support from? I don't. I'm not asking you to call out names, but. You know, in general, does the community around you support this this way of approaching child? I believe they do. We we of course had to get the support of the court, mm -hmm. and and they they were willing to give us that support. I was really pleased a year ago when we when we were still in the planning stages of of PJAC, but had the grant in place, and we had a front page story in the Canton Repository in January of 2017 about the. PJAC grant and the new approach we were taking to work with non-custodial parents as well as building on what we had through CSPED, our Right Path program. And the day after the front page story was in the Canton repository, on the editorial page, the edit, lead editorial was backing our approach. So that, that was really a boost of, of confidence and, and really felt good that, that outside of our agency, those in the community were looking and, and at that point saying, it's worth a try, let's give them our support. Okay, and who's the, what? What support surprised you the most? Who came forward and supported you that you really didn't expect? Um, or maybe there wasn't one that you didn't expect, but just who was the most surprising supporter for this for this approach? I guess I mean I was surprised by the newspaper, I suppose. I, okay, but I was very very pleased, and we we do have a really close relationship with the Stark County Fatherhood Coalition, mm -hmm. and our partners in both grants, CSPED and PJAC as well as my agency, we're all members of the Stark County Fatherhood Coalition. And that, I think, has been helpful in getting some of the partnerships that we have for both CSPED and, and, and PJAC. Mm -hmm. I, I, th I can't think of, other than just that I was really surprised when the newspaper, yeah. I was happy they did the, the story. You never know what's, what perspective, or, or I hate to use the word slant, but you know what, how they're approaching the sure. story. Because it could be a negative or a positive approach. Well, we've all read stories in the newspaper about child support from someone who clearly right. has just not a clear understanding of what the program does. So and, it's good that you're And it was a very, very positive yeah. story. Like I said, it was a front page story. Mm -hmm. And then even more surprising when we did have that editorial the next day, I, yeah. I, I was really pleased with 
that. That's great. So it's been, I would say, roughly 10 years of pursuing grants yes. and moving in this direction. What do you think's next for you? What, once these run out, you just hope there's another? Are you going to well, looking at any grants coming up in the future? Or are you? We're always looking at, yeah. at grants just to see if, if it would be a good fit for us. Obviously, some grants are not are not a good fit for us, though certainly great opportunities. Mm -hmm. So we are always looking to see what opportunities there might be. I, it's not a federal grant, but we do have a grant right now that is, is giving us funding for a full-time fatherhood administrator oh, wow. over the Fatherhood Coalition, and that position is in the Child Support Division, who it reports to me. And so I've been pleased about that. And we also have a grant, again, out, not, not federal dollars, but we have a grant that also is paying for a parenting time order program where low-income non-custodial parents can get an order for, for parenting time or we can enforce an existing parenting time order going into court. Mm -hmm. And we're doing this uh, through our partner, Community Legal Aid. Okay. And so we have had some opportunities outside of federal grants to get some other smaller grants that are still helping evolve our program. And I'm really pleased with the parenting time order program because that's, that's something that... Um, we're trying to not just talk the talk, but walk the walk that emotionally supporting your child is equally as important as financially supporting your child. Both are very important. And I would imagine just if I was a person working in the Stark County Child Support Office, there's probably a certain amount of pride that you guys are on cutting edge, like that you're trying new approaches, that you're reaching out to people and trying to do things the right way. Am I reading that right? Is the is it helping the culture in your office and the I, people are responding I think it is. I th I, Not that there was a problem with the culture no, in your office, but I mean, is it making people see their job in a different way? It, it does. They're, they're seeing their job in a different way. And, you know, for some it was a big adjustment because hard enforcement was what they knew for the last 20 years. Mm -hmm. But they, they, they did come around and understand that it's a different approach. And, and, and again, I'm not naive to think that we're never going to use hard enforcement tools. There are cases every week yeah. that we use hard enforcement tools. But we also have a different approach with the majority of cases where instead of the hard enforcement tools, we're using programs like CSPAD or PJAC. And probably in those that you do have to use those tools, you've already tried it the other way. That's correct. In, in most cases, I would assume. And I yeah. think we're building a trust with the non-custodial parents in our community that we really are trying to make an effort to help them overcome some of the barriers they're facing okay. with the best interest of that child in, in, in the long run. Yeah, and so and overall, it's just as you said, it's all about what's in the best interest of the children right. and the families in, that are served by your right. by your office. Well, I think it's it's great. It speaks volumes to your leadership and to the you know those around you. And I I applaud all your efforts, and I I hope that it continues to be successful for you. Well, thank you, Joe. I appreciate the opportunity. Yeah, to be thanks on the for broadcast. being with us. I'm sure our listeners are going to um, may have a lot of questions for you. I hope they'll reach out to you. But um, thanks for being on today, and we'll look forward to talking to you soon. Okay, thank you, Joe. Thank you. Thank you for joining me on location at the Ohio Child Support Directors Association Conference in Columbus, Ohio. A special thanks to my guest, Rob Pearson, for being on the podcast today. On Location is produced by Kenitha Julian, Lori Rummage-Kane, Gilbert Burgos, and me, with help from our executive producers, Maureen Life and Tim Leitner. Don't forget to subscribe to our podcast on iTunes or on the Podomatic app. 
We appreciate your comments, ratings, feedback, and any suggestions you have. And don't forget to tune in for our next two episodes in this series, where I speak with leaders from Franklin County, Ohio, and Cuyahoga County, Ohio, about their grant programs and some innovative things they have going on as well. Thanks again for listening. I'm Joe Mamlin, and this has been On Location. Location.